Chagai Perik Bet. Chagai Perik Bet continues to talk about the Beit HaMikdash, the second Beit HaMikdash that's going to be rebuilt. And Chagai in this Perik urges the people to not lose heart, that it might not be as great as the first one. We've seen hints of this in the first Perik. It then continues to question certain to Kohanim and the nation to see almost as if they're prepared for the Beit HaMikdash or not. And finally, it ends off with a promise to Zerubbabel saying that he will be the leader of the Jewish people and lead them once again to greatness. Pasuk Aleph. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of God was through Haggai Hanavi saying. It's important to note this date is not just any random date. The seventh month is Tishrei. The 21st would make this to be Hoshanah Rabbah, the seventh day of Sukkot. As we know, the seventh day of Sukkot was the day of Nesuch Hamayim, the celebration of the water libation. It was an extremely happy, it was an extremely joyous celebration, and thus it would be, as we'll see, very apropos to mention the difference between the first Amidash and the second Amidash on this day, as the people perhaps are remembering what used to be in the first Amidash, and as we'll see, perhaps losing heart a little bit over the second temple. It's interesting to note, in general, that Haggai gives dates and starts to his Nivuot as opposed to some of the other Nevi'im who perhaps aren't interested in the historical context. And the reason for that is very simple. Haggai is a deeply historical book in the sense that it's talking about a specific time with the rebuilding of the temple where we're talking about a certain year, certain actions being taken place. It's not necessarily a Nevi'ah for repentance, for hope, or for a destruction of the enemies. That could be a general, more general Nevi'ah perhaps, much and doesn't need to be pegged down to a time. This speaks about events. It speaks about particular things that are happening, and thus the historical context is very important. So Haggai constantly tells us the second year of Darius, when it was, what month it was, and that can help us understand more context of this book. Pesuk Bet. el Zerubavel ben Sheltiel pahat Yehuda vel Yeshua ben Yehot Sadak kohena gadol vel Say now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of Yehuda, and to Yeshua, the son of Yehoshadak, the Kohen Gadol, and to the remnant of the nation, saying, Pesuk Gimo. Who is left amongst you that saw this house in its original glory? And how do you view it now? Is it not just like nothing in your eyes? The Navi in this Pasuk sort of calls out the people. And he says, those of you who remember the Bayit Rishon. Remember, we're talking about about 70 years after the destruction of the first Bayit. So there definitely would have been an older segment of the population that actually saw the Bayit Rishon. And says, who remembers the first Bayit in all its glory? And now you see what we're doing here. We're going to the local hills, gathering some trees, putting together to the best of our abilities. It couldn't compare, obviously, to massive work that Shlomo HaMelech put into the first bite. And he says, you guys think this is nothing. He's calling them out. And he's saying, you view this house as nothing compared to the glory of the first bite. Pasuk Dalet. The Hazak Yehoshua ben Yehot Sadaka Kohen HaGadol. The Hazak Kol Am Ha'aretz Neum Adunai Va'asu. 
And now be strong, Zerav the word of Hashem. And be strong, Yehoshua, son of Yehot Sadak, the Kohen Gadol. And be strong, all the people of the land, the word of Hashem. And do, for I am with you, the word of Hashem, master of legions. The prophet here seeks to reassure their fears. Reassure them that everything will be good. Chazak, be strong. Continue doing what you're doing. It's not up to you to worry about the glory of the house of Hashem. That's not your job. That's my job. As we'll see in the next Pasuk, the Navi urges them to remember to follow the commandments of Hashem. And sort of left unsaid is that Hashem will fulfill the rest. This Pasuk flows into the next Pasuk by the word Asu, and do. The word and do, we never said in this Pasuk what it is to do, rather we, are, we were interrupted. And do, for I am with you. And do what? We now continue in Pasuk That which I sealed with you as you left Mitzrayim. And my spirit is standing in your midst. Do not fear. What should you do? You should do that which I made a breach with you. I made a covenant with you as you left Mitzrayim. And what was that? You keep the laws and I will be your God. I will take care of the wor- of your glory, of the rest of the world, of this bite of my Shekhinah resting in it. Your job is to fulfill your side of the bargain, to keep the Torah. And do not worry. My spirit will be with you. You don't have to worry about anything else. Pasuk Vav. For thus said Hashem, Master of Legions, Another one, it is small, and I will shake the skies and the earth and the sea and the dry land. The Navi is beginning to explain how the, why the people should not worry about the glory of the house. And he says another one, Another global event, perhaps. Another global revolution. And for God, it's a small thing. Ma'ati will happen. And the skies and the heavens and the very earth itself will be shaking from how great this revolution will be. But yet again, for God, it's a very small act. And what exactly this is referring to, what one more of what exactly is referring to, some interpret this as the fall of the Persian Empire and rise of the Greek Empire. Thus, another empire falling. Either way, what is clear, it is definitely an event that has global ramifications, a global event that changes the scene. Pasuk Zayin. And I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will come here. And I will fill this house with glory, Said Hashem, Master of Legions. This Pasuk explains, so what, that God is going to shake the heavens and earth? What will result in that? It will result in all the treasures of the nations coming here. At the end, this house will be filled with glory. I will make it happen. Don't worry about it. You fulfill your part. I will make sure this house is glorious. Pasuk Chet. Li ha-kesef v'li ha-zahav. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. The word of Hashem, Master of Legions. Again, you don't worry about the gold and silver of this house. 
It's mine. I choose what to do with it. And I make it end up where I want it to end up. Pasuk Tet. Gadol yihyeh kvod habayt hazeh ha'acharon min harishon. Amar Adonai Tzivahot. Ubamakom hazeh eten shalom. Neum Adonai Tzivahot. The glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory of the first house, said Hashem, Master of Legions, and in this place I will place peace, the word of Hashem, Master of Legions. Not only will there be gold and silver in this house, not only will I make it glorious, it will be even more glorious than the first temple. Additionally, besides for being more glorious, there will be peace in the time of this temple. As we know, during the first temple, there was not many years of peace. After Shlomo, the kingdom split, and almost constantly there were wars both internally and externally. Not so in the second house. Even though, perhaps, the kingdom of Israel never reached the heights of the first temple, there was long periods of peace in the second temple period, such that can never be said about the first temple. What exactly is the Nevi talking about, that the second temple will be greater than the first? We know that Herod, king of Israel during the second temple, built the temple to such beauty that the Chachamim said about the temple, whoever has not seen Herod's temple has not seen a beautiful building in their life. So beautiful was it, it, it was simply breathtaking. Rav and Shuel in the Gemara comment about this Pasuk, this glory will be greater. According to one of them, it refers to the actual height of the Beit HaMikdash. The Hechal of the second temple was 40 Amot, while that of the first was 30 Amot. And according to the other, it alludes to the years, 420 years versus 410 years. Of course, according to yesterday's introduction, as we mentioned, the, if the Beit HaMikdash was built in 516, it was actually greater than 420 years, and it's definitely greater than the time of the first temple, 410 years. Pasuk in the 24th of the month, in the ninth month, and the second year of Daryavish, the word of God was through Haggai the Navi saying, The day that this is talking about, the 24th of Kislev, so a day before Hanukkah, and our calendar, of course, Hanukkah didn't exist at the time. Thus said Hashem, Master of Legions, Ask now the Kohanim a question of ruling, saying. Haggai now is instructed to go to the Kohanim and ask them a question about Tuman Tahara, perhaps to see if they're prepared for the Beit HaMikdash when the, rule, when the laws of ritual impurity applies. The question Haggai is about to ask is a very complicated question. There's a machloka in the Gemara how exactly to understand the question. And we're going to see there's actually a machloka on whether or not the Kohanim gave the right answer or not. The Chachanim and the Gemara are not sure. There's three opinions given. This question famously is also in the Hakdamah the, of the Rambam to Seder Taharot. And it, was, it gives basically an overview of all the laws of Tumah and Tahara. And he mourns the lack of knowledge of purity and impurity of these laws in Israel today. He says if you go to your average rabbi and ask him a basic question, that some of the answers might even be in the Torah itself, they won't know the answer. And he mourns that fact and continues to bring this pisukim, this question of Haggai to the Kohanim, as an example of the complexity of the laws of purity, of the general lack of knowledge, 
to in the Gemara, we couldn't even figure out if they were right or wrong. It's so complicated is the issue. However, with a brief overview, hopefully we'll be able to understand the crux of the question and get a good understanding of what was being asked. Tuman Tahara basically worked like a system of levels. There is one, the top level, Aviyavota Tuma, sort of the father of fathers of Tuma, that's a dead human body. Under that, there are Avota Tuma. These are fathers of Tuma, and these can give Tuma to anything, and they include carcasses of not of a human, and various other things. The way the Tuma transfers is some things can transfer through a tent or through carrying. However, mainly the way Tuma transfers is through touching. By touching something that becomes Tameh, it creates something, an offspring of Tuma, a Tuma of the next level. So if something touches a human carcass, he becomes an Av. If something come, t- touches something that is an Av, he becomes what we call a Rishon, a first degree level of Tuma. Something touches that Rishon, it becomes a Shini, and Shlishi, and so on. However, the system stops, essentially, at Shini. Only food and drinks can become Shini Tuma. That means they can only, two degrees removed, the only thing that can receive Tuma are food and drink. However, anything that is Tiruma, so things that have an extra degree of holiness, can become third degree of Tuma. And finally, things that are Kodesh, or sacrificial things, things that are used in the Beit HaMikdash, things that we're bringing as korbanot, can receive fourth degree of tumot. Haggai now is asking the Kohanim about Kodesh, about things that go up to the fourth degree. We're going to translate and explain the first time we read this according to Rav, who holds that the first question, the Kohanim got incorrect. The second question, they did get correct. We'll see what the difference is, and we'll see the statements of the Gemara now. Pasuk Yudbet. If a man carries the flesh of a creature in a corner of his garment, and that garment touched bread, and that bread touched stew, and that stew touched wine, oil, and any food, will it become tameh? And the Kohanim answered and said, no. We're translating according to the Rabbam, who translated Basar Kodesh not as holy meat, but rather flesh of a creature, Lashon and who said, Haitash, Haitma, that's pretty much agreed according to everyone. And what he says happened here is you were carrying Basar Kodesh Asheret, which is an Av and it touched your cloth, which is a Rishon and that cloth touched bread, which bec- the bread becomes Yashini. That bread bread touches stew, which becomes shlishi. Now that stew touches yain, shemin, and any food. Will it become tameh? Will that food, that's kodesh, mind you, become tameh? And the Kodim answered, no. As we mentioned earlier, kodesh does become tameh to the fourth degree, and so they were incorrect. Pasuk Gimel. Vayomer Hagai, im yigat tameh nefesh b'chol ele and Haggai said, If one who is Tameh from a dead body shall touch all these things, shall it become Tameh? And the Kohanim answered and said, It will become Tameh. Haggai then went on to ask them the same question, but now with a Tameh met. Meaning, there was no Sheretz, there was no creature in his pocket, but rather he himself has went 
and touched a dead human carcass. Thus he becomes an Avatumah, the same level as the Shedit, and now the same thing happens. He touches his cloth, the cloth touches his bread, and so on. And they answered for that one, it will become Temeh. So that one they got correct, because again, it was the same degree, it was a fourth degree item, and it becomes Temeh in Kodesh. Rav interprets the passages like that, and therefore says, Beki'in hen met. They are experts in Tumat Met. They understand when someone gets Tameh from a dead body, they know that Tumat. But from Tumat Seretz, they got messed up. They didn't understand how to work it with Tumat Seretz. The second opinion in the Gemara is given by Shmuel, who says in both cases they were correct. Shmuel holds that in both cases they were correct, because in the first Pasuk, when the Kohanim answered no, they were indeed correct, for basically he adds an extra step in the Pasuk. He says, essentially, that the cloth didn't touch the bread directly, there was another food item that stopped in between, adding an extra step, and he makes that to you from the Pesukim, and therefore says Chagai was not asking them about a, about a fourth degree impurity, he was asking them about a fifth degree impurity. As such, they were correct in answering that it was not Tameh, it was Tahor. When he asked them the second question, however, they were correct in saying he was impure, because when someone is Tameh met, he automatically makes his clothes the same level of Tumah as himself. Thus, it does not, we take out a level, essentially, because why? Because that cloth does not count as a step in between, because since he was wearing that cloth, it automatically extends, and the cloth itself becomes the Avatumah, and thus they were right on both accounts. There's a third opinion given in the Gemara by Ravina, we're not going to go into that because it's a little more complicated, but now, either way, we'll begin to see the lesson, what Haggai wanted to teach them from this pop quiz. Pasuk Yudawid. And Haggai responded and said, So is this nation, and so is this nation before me, the word of Hashem. And so is all the work of their hands, and that which they offer there, it is impure. According to Rav, who said that they answered one of the questions incorrectly, what Haggai is saying is very simple. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the necessary laws. They're ignorant of the laws of Tuman Tahara and probably of many other Torah walls as well. And thus, they're not ready to sacrifice, to offer before me. What they do will be defiled because they simply, they're ignorant of me. According to Shmuel, who says they got the answer right, it was a mashal. The same way you said the answers were tameh. Because remember, according to Shmuel, both the answers are tameh and both of them were correct. Just like these things were tameh, you guys too are tameh. Having said that, having rebuked the people, the Navi says, don't lose hope, however. Pesuk tevav. And now, set your hearts from this day onwards, from before they place stone onto stone in the temple of Hashem. The Navi turns to the people and says, Look what happens, look what's going to happen, and see the changes that are going to be affected from before you begin building the temple until after you build the temple. Nevi will now compare the two time periods and show how things will change for the people. 
פסוק ט"ז: "מהיותם באה אל ערימת עשרים, והייתה עשרה. בעל היקב לחשוף חמישים פורה, והייתה עשרים. From when they used to come upon a heap of grain that was twenty units, and it became ten. When came to the wine press to draw out fifty units, and it was twenty. This, a continued description, we've seen this a few times already in this paddock, of how agriculturally they were almost cursed. They were not succeeding supernaturally. It just was not happening. 50 became 20. 20 became 10. It wasn't working and it wasn't natural means. There was there. There was 50 there and it became 20. Hashem was not allowing them to succeed. And he continues. Pesuk Yudzayin. I have struck you with blast and blight and hail, all of your handiwork, and none of you have returned to me the word of Hashem. Blast refers to what we now know as a pathogen that wipes out large areas of wheat very quickly, as well as Yerakon, Ra, Barad, Hail. And God is saying, I have been continuously hitting with you. Think of what's been happening. Remember, I've been hitting you this entire time with all these supernatural things. And yet, none of you have returned to me. None of you have taken the initiative to return yourselves, build a new relationship, and build a temple with me. Pasuk Yudchet. Simu min hayom hazem amala. Miyom asrim min hayom asher yusad hechal adunai. Set your hearts from this day forward, from the 24th of the ninth month, from the day that the foundations of the Temple of Hashem were laid, set your hearts. Seems to be from this Pasuk that on today, the day the Haggai is talking to the people, the 24th of Kislev, they began working on the Temple, perhaps something significant happened, perhaps the breaking ground ceremony or some type of initiation of labor, and he said, from this day forth, consider what we just said in the last two Pesukim, how you're being supernaturally punished, and now look at what's going to happen from when you started building the Beit HaMikdash. There will be a supernatural change in events, no longer will be punished, but rather, Berachah will return to the land. Pesuk Yeteh. Is there any more seed in the silo, and still the grape, and the fig, and the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not borne fruit? From this day forth, I will bless them. Right now, at this very point, you're still standing in your curse. You're still not successful. From this very day forth, I will bless them. And the dichotomy between the past, before you've been building the temple, and after you began the construction cannot be any clearer. The end of Sefer Chagai is a promise to Zerubavel that Hashem will be with him. And the word of Hashem was a second time to Chagai on the 24th of the month saying, this is the same day as the previous Nebuah, it's a second Nebuah on the same day regarding a different matter, and thus it starts a new topic. And 
Say to Zerubbabel, the governor of Yehuda, saying, I am shaking the heavens and the earth. What exactly is this shaking referring to? And the next clip is as well, on that day when kingdoms will be flipped and Zerubbabel will be placed as a signet on the hand of Hashem, as we'll see. What is it referring to? One option is that it is referring to in the lifetime of Zerubbabel, that in essence the kingdom of Persia, the great kingdom at the time, will undergo many revolts, many changes, it will be weakened, and it will give the chance for Zerubbabel to rise with the, amongst the Jewish people, with the temple, to become a, a kingdom once again. Other opinions interpret this as not necessarily referring to in the days of Zerubbabel, perhaps referring to the Hasmonean dynasty, perhaps referring even to the third Beit HaMikdash, or the ultimate redemption. And if you explain it such, as we see in the end, not necessarily Zerubbabel himself, but rather his descendants. Of course, this makes a lot of sense, considering Zerubbabel is of Davidic dynasty. Thus, any Melech HaMashiach or any king would be possibly from the, the from the dynasty of Zerubbabel. So it makes a lot of sense to interpret this, perhaps as referring to in future times as well. Finally, an option that Chachamim seem to point to is perhaps referring to Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, according to the counting of Chachamim, destroyed the Persian Empire a mere 34 years after the building of the temple. So that's in about 40 years from now, a very close time. And this that could be definitely be. Of course, according to the counting, the Beit HaMikdash was built in 516. Alexander the Great would not be for another 100 or 200 years. Pesuk Kafbet. And I will overturn the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdom of the nations. And I will overturn a chariot and its riders, and horses and their riders shall plummet, a man in his fellow man's sword. Continuing in the description of the tumultuous times that Hashem will bring, bringing down the enemies of B'nai Israel, and finally, as we see in Kef, Pasuk Kef Gimel, raising up Zerubbabel. Pasuk Kef Gimel. Bayom hahu neum Adunai sevaot ekachacha Zerubbabel ben Shaltiel avdi neum Adunai vesamticha kachotam ki becha baharti neum Adunai sevaot. On that day, the word of Hashem, Master of Legions, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, my servant, the word of Hashem, and I shall place you like a signet. For in you I have chosen the word of Hashem, master of legions. Finally, on that day, what's the important part? Not necessarily that the nations will be undergoing transformations and overturnings, but rather that on that very same day, Zerubbabel will be raised up and Hashem will take him as one of his own, be as if he is in his signet ring. Just one last interesting point I'd like to point out. The word Sivaot, which I translated Master of Legions, appears many, many times throughout this book. And if you look at Nevi'im Achronim, it differs greatly by book. In some books, he's mentioned by Sivaot as in almost every single Pedic. Namely, Yeshayahu and Yirmiyahu have tons of mentions of Hashem as Hashem Sivaot. Yechezkel, there's not one single Sivaot in the entire book. Trace how the trend continues, Hosea it appears very rarely, Amos it appears many times. And thus, just something interesting to keep in mind, perhaps Sivaot had to do with the personality of the Navi, 
perhaps there's something deeper behind it, but something interesting to keep in mind as we keep seeing Sivaat come up in the book of Haggai.